This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mother Code. I want to do a little introduction to today's episode because it's freaking so special and I was a little embarrassed to just gush and go as overboard as I wanted to um, when I was with my guest today, but I still did a little bit, but I'm going to here with you, my audience, really express just the immense gratitude, honor, privilege to sit down and have a conversation with one of my hero heroines, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. I mean, this woman is just a powerhouse and has made such a difference in my life. Dr. Judith Wright has brought her material to life in so many aspects of the Wright Graduate University, at the Wright Foundation, in so many of our trainings to really exemplify the power of our brain and make the distinctions of the different thinking, feeling aspects of our brain and what that can mean for us in our day-to-day life. We used her material on our spiritual pilgrimage this past year. And the spiritual pilgrimage was about the mystics and really seeing that it's when we tap, um, and we'll explain this in in the interview, but when we tap certain aspects of our brain, we, are in that mystical place. But at the same time, we need all the aspects of our brain to really fully live this human life. And I was so excited. We we dug into it. She does such a beautiful, relatable job of taking something as complex as our brain and, and making it practical and pragmatic. And as I was preparing for the interview, I really dug in deep. I really... I mean, we have studied her and I was aware and have her book and everything, but really wrapped my mind around the possibilities and looked at and was framing things in what she calls whole brain living in a way that was really enhancing my life and really allowing me, even as I prepared for the interview, to heal past wounds, to... um, really see what it's like to put the main focus on our right brain thinking and then have all the other areas of our brain, our rational thinking, our um, emotion, the emotional side that's, that's more of our shadow self and the emotional side that's more of our little kid, uh, impulsive, you know, can be a little too wild, but wild side and how we can have them all in service of living from our character four, which is our our higher self, our spiritual self, our mystical self. 
And it was really incredible. And then applying that to rewrite the mother code, you know, we touched on that and really looked at what it, how supportive it is and what it means to really make choices that are discerned, you know, that have all cylinders working toward them and expanding what's possible for ourselves. So I'm so excited. I really excited for you to come on this journey with us and and join me as I get to sit with and then now you do too with such an incredible incredible force that Joe Bolte Taylor is. So here we go. Hello and thank you for joining me today on this extraordinarily special episode of Mother Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And what makes Today's episode, beyond amazing, is that I have the honor and privilege of hosting Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Taylor. I am so happy to be here. Please call me Jill. Okay, (laughs) great. Well, so by way of introduction, I, I do feel a significant portion of my audience has some degree of awareness, knowledge of who you are, but I'd still like to share, remind, inspire listeners with a few details here and then we'll dive into the material because there's so much great stuff to talk about. So here's some here's some highlights and of course there'll be show notes and of course we'll you know lots of places you can find Jill. But we're going to be we're going to be a little more formal here. Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor is a Harvard trained and published neuroanatomist. As a teacher and public speaker, she loves educating all age groups, academic levels, corporations about the beauty of our human brain. Not only its amazing ability to recover from trauma, but as the vehicle for which we experience ourselves as the life force power of the universe. I just got goosebumps saying that. Um, And maybe you as a listener are one of the, as of today, 28 million views of her 2008 TED Talk, A Stroke of Insight, the first ever TED Talk to go viral on the internet. She states that This 18 minute presentation where she shared her story of surviving a massive cerebral hemorrhage in the left hemisphere of her brain and her eight year journey of recovery changed her world and the lives of so, so many others. Within three months of delivering that talk, she was chosen one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people in the world for 2008. She became the the premier guest on Oprah's Soul Series webcast Her first book, My Stroke of Insight, A Brain Scientist's Personal Journey, spent 63 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and remains today the number one on Amazon on in Amazon on the subject of strokes. And this is 12 years later. Just over a year ago, I believe May of 2021, I think we're at anniversary time. um, Her second book. Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice, and the Four Characters That Drive Our Life, dives into how we can short-circuit emotional reactivity and find peace, which as you say, is only a thought away. Wow. Okay. So I know I'm only scratching the surface, but your achievements and the wisdom you're sharing with the world are so powerful. And I know from truly my own personal experience, both as a doctoral student and my own personal growth journey in education has been informed by, included. And ever since I found out you were going to be a guest, it's kind of exploded in in ways that were 
profound and unexpected, but I, I'm just so clear on so many levels and in so many ways your work, you know, is going to connect. It does connect and empower my audience and particularly around rewriting the mother code as a tool for transformation, self-mothering, presence in, in all we do. So. Perfect. I'm happy said, to be here. Yeah. I just want you to, to talk and what is whole brain living and why is it so important? So, you know, there's so many myths out there. First of all, thank you for all of that. And I'm thrilled to be here with you and with this, uh, this specific audience. So, um, uh, you know, a few myths about the brain. Number one is that we only use 10% of, of the brain. Well, it's not true. Um, the brain is made up of all these beautiful neurons, these beautiful cells. And if it's alive and it's in your brain, you're using it. Uh, you might not be aware of exactly what it's doing, et cetera, but just just the concept that this three-dimensional organ is going to process billions and trillions of bits of data moment by moment in order for us to construct a perception of ourselves as a living being and to be able to communicate with one another, to interact with one another, to build our lives with one another. I mean, first of all, this brain is this amazing, phenomenal miracle, right? And I'm a neuroanatomist. So I think about everything as the anatomy of neurons, neuro, the brain. So I think at the level of cells, and if I'm healthy and I am well, then I'm healthy and I am well because my brain cells are healthy and well. And if I'm having some kind of jargon inside of myself or self-criticism, this is cells in communication with cells. This isn't just I'm a thought or I'm an idea or I'm a feeling, an emotion, an experience. I am actually, there are cells every ability we have because we have cells performing that function. So whole brain living is breaking, is, is learning how to look at the brain through the eyes of the structure, but just some basic fundamental structure of the brain. What can we know about ourselves based on the way these cells communicate with one another? And what say do we have about those conflict, conflicting parts of ourselves? It's simply conflicting groups of cells thinking different things or feeling different things or experiencing in a different way? And how can we get to know who's who inside of ourselves and then have them all come online in communication with one another so that we can live the life we want to live instead of just run on automatic and take life as it comes? That's phenomenal. And I'm, um, I mentioned this before we got on, but I'm an unofficial student of yours, you know, I mean, not like <laughs> I've had you in class and that whole concept of the cells being alive and that they all have, that they're living beings almost, you right. know, it isn't just they are one structure, you know, and, and the split structure. And it's like this whole thing. It's like, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing to think about. I mean, it's yeah. miraculous and amazing. And I, I know it's evolved and, and how you share about it in your book is, is so accessible and readable. Like someone might think like, Ooh, you know, a neuroanatomist right. book is going to no, be, this is made simple. It scares my, it scares my character one. And I do want us to get into and have you 
explain right. the four characters with um, based on that intro because it's getting them all interacting and working together and right and um, it's a roadmap. Whole yeah. brain living is a roadmap to who we are in our daily life. And why wouldn't we want a roadmap? And it's simplified. And so that people can understand it. And boy, once we have just raised our level of awareness to being able to differentiate four basic characters inside of ourselves, then all of a sudden life starts making a whole lot more sense. Not just me, the individual, but now I'm looking at my spouse or I'm looking at my kids or I'm looking at my parents or I'm looking at my colleagues. And it's like, oh, I know exactly what that person is valuing in this moment based on the four characters that drive our life. So really, it's a great tool to simplify our understanding of what's going on. Who are we? What is human? How do we interact with one another? How do we make sense? How do we live the life we want to live? Everyone says, oh, live your life on purpose. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean? Right? Yeah. You have to know where you're going in order for that to really make any sense. And, you know, we're in a multi-billion dollar industry of meditation and yoga, and everybody says, oh, silent in the mind. And it's like, well, if you're silencing a part of your mind, well, who, what part of your mind is you, are you silencing? What, what does that really mean? And if you're silencing, well, where are you going? What other part of your brain are you accessing? And so to me, whole brain living is really a, a really great tool to better understand what's going on. And it's pretty simple. Yeah. Well, I want to get into that and I want us to unpack the four characters and you tell me if it's better to do that before with what you were just saying was bringing up for me, the whole concept of that. I think we have a lot of myths or mistaken beliefs also about, which is that we're thinking beings with emotions, whereas the truth is we're emotional beings that think. And exactly. speak a little bit about that and then, then yeah. go into the four characters. Absolutely. So uh, one of the other huge myths is that our right hemisphere is our emotional part of ourselves. And then our left hemisphere is our rational thinking part of ourselves. And that's simply anatomically not true. We have emotion in both hemispheres. We have emotional tissue. We have two amygdala, one in each hemisphere. Most people have heard about the alarm, alarm, alert, alert, um, uh, fight or flight, you know, sympathetic nervous system, but we have two trigger systems, one in the right hemisphere, one in the left hemisphere, and two hippocampi for learning and memory, one in the right hemisphere and one in the left hemisphere. So we have emotion in both hemispheres, and then we have thinking, neocortex, in both hemispheres. And so the idea that the right hemisphere is emotional, no, emotion is in both, and that thinking is just the left. It is true that the rational thinking is in the left, but we also have thinking neocortex in the right hemisphere. So what's it doing if it's not thinking rationally? It's doing something. So um, so, so when we think about uh, the way evolution of the mammalian nervous system happens is that uh, we begin with, let's say, a reptilian brain. And that's about the sophistication of our brain stem and our spinal cord. And that's pretty much on-off switches. I'm hungry. I 
I eat, I'm not hungry anymore. I'm thirsty, I drink, I'm not thirsty anymore, etc. So on off switches. But then new emotional tissue gets added on top, evenly divided between the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. And then and that's the mammalian brain. But the difference between a typical mammal and the human is the addition of thinking tissue. So then we end up with thinking also in the right and thinking in the left. So the human brain has these two emotional centers, one in each hemisphere, and two thinking centers, one in each hemisphere. So what's the difference between the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere? It's pretty much twofold. Right here, right hemisphere is right here, right now, present moment. That's all it has is the present moment. So if I have a past or I have a future, that has to be the left hemisphere. And the right hemisphere does not have me, the ego, me, Jill Bolte-Taylor, me, the individual. Me, the individual exists in the left hemisphere. So the right hemisphere is right here, right now. It's not about me, the individual. And I become as big as the universe because I don't have that group of cells in my left brain that says, oh, I can touch my face and know that my face is my face, but that these glasses are not me because I have a group of cells in my left brain that defines me, the individual. So it knows where I begin and where I end, but that these glasses, I can wear them, but they're not a part of me. So what that means then is we have two emotional systems, one in the right hemisphere, present moment, right here, right now, big as the universe. And then I also have emotion, me, the individual in my left hemisphere with a past and a future. And then I go to the thinking tissue and I have thinking in the right here, right now, big as the universe connected to all that is. And in my left hemisphere, I have thinking tissue as it relates to me, the individual. I know why I chose to put on these shoes this morning because my left hemisphere is about me. It's about my feet. It's about my choices. It's about my stuff. And it's all about me. So in the past and future. So then we end up with these two emotional and two thinking quadrants of cells and it so happens that each one of them is extremely integrated inside themselves and they end up looking like personalities in the external world. Yeah. And I love that you've turned them into characters and personalities. So I, I definitely want to go there, but just to give a, a sense of this in your, when you had your stroke, you, your whole left thinking and feeling went, went offline yes. in way, and you were only in the right hemisphere. And I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that experience because I was really struck in a, another podcast interview. I listened to Erica DeJoss's, DeJoss's podcast. You said that you felt like you're, that the stroke that you had and that whole experience of recovery brought you to where you are today and the importance of, of this book. So somehow losing Absolutely. The whole left side of your brain has opened up this, you know, this new space. And I also picture, and I drew a picture myself of like, when it started coming, like you couldn't imagine putting the bigness of what you experienced in your right hemisphere back in your body. Right. right. So tiny little body, tiny package. Exactly. Everything. Exactly. So so I, um, I was a brain scientist at Harvard teaching and performing research. And because I have a brother who's 18 months older than I am, uh, he eventually was diagnosed with a brain disorder, schizophrenia. 
And so as a child, he was my constant companion. And I noticed early on that we would have the exact same experience, but walk away with very different interpretations about what just happened. And so I became fascinated with what is the biological difference between me and my brother where I can connect my dreams to my reality and I can make my dreams come true, but my brother's dreams became delusion and he couldn't connect them at all to reality, and yet he still believed that his delusions were true. So so I cared about how does our brain create our perception of reality? Big question for a little girl. So uh, so I ended up at Harvard Medical School. I was a brain scientist. And, and you know, I'm looking at, at these cells because ultimately I thought, okay, well, it's going to end up with the cells. His cells must be organized in different ways, create different networks. Some of, of our reality is overlapped we both have have eyes to see we both hear sounds but there's a, a skew in the way his brain versus my brain puts the information together so i thought at an anatomical level what are the differences and so that's the kind of work i was doing at harvard and then i woke up one day and my left hemisphere had a major hemorrhage and over the course of four hours, and this was a congenital malformation that I was born with, and it was a bomb ready to blow, and it blew at the age of 37. And over the course of four hours, I watched my own brain completely deteriorate so I could no longer function as a normal human being. I could not walk, talk, read, write. I could not recall any of my life. Uh, I became essentially an infant in a woman's body, but I only lost my left hemisphere, which was my left emotion and my left thinking tissue. But as those cells went offline, there is a group, a band of fibers that runs between the two hemispheres called the corpus callosum. And that corpus callosum is made up of some 300 million axonal fibers where the two hemispheres are communicating with one another. Because essentially we have multiple parts of ourselves and they have to know what's the other one's doing and who's being dominant and who's being inhibited and being recessive and who's loud and who's quiet. But when I lost the left hemisphere, I lost the left thinking and the left emotion, the inhibition came off of the right hemisphere. And all I had was the right hemisphere experience. And I lost all the tools of the left hemisphere. I lost me, the individual, my ego center, completely offline, any information about my past, completely gone, any projection into the future, completely gone. But what I gained was an uninhibited experience of the vast magnificence of the present moment experience. And I no longer began and ended where my skin met the atoms and molecules of the air. Instead, my consciousness and the... I became an energy being that was as big as the universe. And it was fantastic there. It was peaceful and quiet because the language centers of my left hemisphere saying, I'm an individual. I'm Joe Bolte Taylor. This is all the data related to me. All of that was quiet. My relationships were gone. My, my book knowledge was gone. My relationship with my job was gone. And I felt this incredible euphoria and relief because all all the stress circuitry related to that left hemisphere and me, the individual, 
got shut down. So, um, so I experienced that. And then three weeks, uh, two and a half weeks after the hemorrhage, uh, the surgeons went in and they removed a blood clot the size of a golf ball that was pushing pressure on my left hemisphere, emotion and thinking tissue. And then it was like, okay, kind of like a radio static, 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 static. Oh, words. Oh, language. Oh, Oh, but what are the meanings of those language? And so I had to learn all of my vocabulary. I had to learn everything from scratch that a left hemisphere learns. And um, but I became this consciousness and value structure of the right hemisphere as a right hemisphere dominant person, which is very different from the person I had been before. And so I used my right hemisphere tools then and a whole lot of sleep to rebuild the structure and relearn and regain me, the individual. I started uh, as an infant uh, and it took eight years for me to completely recover um, uh, everything. What a phenomenal journey, Jill. And, and you talk about it, that it was, it was those values and I'm, I'm touching my brain, touching my head as, as I say this, um, those values that I don't know if you call it purpose or what you call it, that, that drove you to bring because some people might think like, oh, cool, like just stay in that state. It was peaceful. That's what we strive for. We want to have right. that, you know, and we think like that's the end all. But one thing that becomes very clear in your book, it's like, no, it, this human life has encompasses all of it, all of it. All, and that's what makes us beautiful humans, right? And right. Um, and maybe this is a good time to then make these distinctions on the on the four characters, if you will. Absolutely. So I uh, so the left hemisphere. If you take a brain, and I'm going to use my little model right here. I got a brain, mm -hmm. and uh, the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. Uh, but the left hemisphere, if you pull it apart. Character one is going to be the left thinking tissue. And the left thinking tissue is the portion of our brain that we relate to as the rational brain. It's our A-type personality. It, it has language. It has language about me, the individual. I'm an ego. I'm a person. Um, it defines the, the social norm. It defines what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. And it does its best to fit me inside of that structure so that I can have a healthy relationship with the external world. So it likes to define uh, specific details, details, more details about those details. Um, it likes to control and compare and contrast and um, organize and categorize, and it likes to run a to-do list. And so from a character personality, um, this is a part of us that goes to work. Uh, my character one, I call her Helen. It's short for Hell on Wheels. She gets it done. Uh, she, where does she, Helen come out? Helen uh, comes out in my office. She does all those office things. Um, uh, she holds my body a certain way. She speaks a certain way. She dresses a certain way. Um, and she functions. She's my functional, rational, go-to-work personality. So that's the character one, the left thinking tissue of our brain. Now, the character two is going to be of that left hemisphere, the emotion 
but the emotion of my past and my emotion of my future. So this is the information that is saying when I was five years old, I was riding my bicycle and a little dog, let's say it was a little dachshund dog, you know, a little wiener dog started nipping at my heels because it was chasing me and it was excited. And I got really scared about that little dachshund because I thought it was going to bite me. And so now, you know, some 60 years later, I every time I see a dog, a little wiener dog, it's like, oh, I'm not real comfortable with a little wiener dog because, you know, a long time ago in my history and my character, too, I experienced trauma when a little wiener dog tried to bite me when I was riding my bike. OK, well, we all know wiener dogs are pretty safe dogs. Right. <laughs> but I have I have this irrational trauma that I keep pulling up from my past because my past is designed to inform my present so I don't have to reinvent the wheel in every present moment. So um, this is a wonderful part of who we are, but it's also all of our trauma from the past. It is our addiction. It is our craving tissue inside of there. It is our fear of the future. And this little personality then is going to bring information and it's like, give me a reason to say no. Give me a reason to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. And this little character feels safe in familiarity. So if you're familiar to me and you're familiar to me, we both have blonde hair. Uh, you know, we're, we're like Scandinavian origin. So there's a natural affinity. Um, and, you know, we speak the same language. So we have a natural affinity. We're both medical language where there's a natural affinity. So you and I, that little character too, feel I feel safe with you. But if you, if someone comes in and they have a different skin color or they speak a different language or they have different smell about themselves because they cook with different different spices, then this is going to be the part of me that says, that's not familiar. That doesn't feel safe. So I'm going to push it away. Mm -hmm. So that's a little character too. I call mine Abby, uh, which is short for abandoned because I think my original wound was the moment I came flying out of my mother's womb. Boom. I'm not in that symbiotic relationship anymore. Now I'm out here on my own floundering around. Um, so, uh, but that's a whole personality. So when I'm unhappy or I'm going to say no, or I'm going to push away, uh, or I'm going to blame someone, or I'm going to go on the, uh, the, uh, the attack, uh, or I'm going to scheme because, you know, uh, somebody made me mad three weeks ago and now I'm going to get them back because now they're not expecting me to get them back, you know? So all these little personality traits that we all have, but that's that little character too. Um, so do you know your character one and character I, twos? I do. I do. I was, um, so character one, I call Dr. Mama G. So I was one of those who I didn't really bring my character one fully into online. More of my trauma was, I don't know if it's trauma, but I had a lot of beliefs that my thinking didn't matter. Just don't develop that. And so when I decided to do my dissertation and really like take that on, it was a transformational. So she is the one who thinks and actually has discovered that um, thinking isn't that hard. And can, thinking can be fun. And, oh yeah, it can know, be, can it? It can be fun and yeah, have an order, problem solving systems, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, so 
gave up my dependence on mom and my husband, not gave it up, but, uh, and that's one of the big things I learned from developing character one. Character two, I call Dorfra because she's a combination of Dorothy, my mother, and Frank, my father, where I felt like the wiring of particularly fear and yep. you're not okay, you know, right. the critical, like depend, still some of the dependent, it's not safe out there in the world, like right. keep yourself small and limited yeah. and, and, you know, just kind of be pretty and look good. And that, that's, right. that's enough. That's enough. Right. Don't do right. anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's been Perfect. Quite a journey. So those are, those are my, my left side so far. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself okay and that i am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish it's essential and i really want you to take it seriously to consider you know just think about what would it take for me to go it's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are getting there landing there and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone, I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Perfect. And the left side, we cannot be functional human beings without the left hemisphere. 
And I'm the first to know that, you know, not the first person to know that, but, the, you know, I scream it loudly because people say, oh, Jill, why did you bother to come back? You were out in blissful euphoria, the universe where people meditate for decades to try to find and there you were. And it's like, yeah, but I'm living. I'm going to have that for all eternity. I'm alive now. Yes. And if I'm alive, I want to be fully human and fully human means having all four of these characters online and available and interacting so that I can be a you know a complete human being. I can have the human experience. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And and the pain, I'm sorry, I just you may I was thinking as you said that, you know, we're we're also culturized family, outside culture, you know, that our emotions are bad, especially pain, right? Right. right. Pain is to be avoided and and right. um and I, I, I think pain's a beautiful part of us. And that's been part of my journey is discover the, and it, it's what makes our human experience so rich, right? Yeah. And, and well, pain, you know, think about if, if I cut myself, I feel pain. And the pain is a signal to my brain saying, hey, we have a problem. We need to bring attention to the problem area. Right. And at a cellular level, what that means is that then my immune system goes on alarm. We've got to cut. We got a wound. We got to send in, you know, the blood clotters. We got to send in the eosinophils and the phagocytes to clean up the area and to create wound healing. Right. So it's just a, an alarm. Hey, we need some attention to this. So let's say um, uh, let's say uh, when I was a little girl, um, I would get really jealous of um, other people looking at my boyfriend and and I would feel this this rage and this, eh, you know, and I got really ugly about it. And that was my circuitry. Uh, and who knows where that came from, but I had it. And so, but that's pain, right? Jealousy is pain. Mm -hmm. And so then if I'm now, you know, 50 years later and I have this experience and I feel this jealousy because two of my friends decide they like one another and it's like, it's like alarm. It's like, look at what is it that I'm feeling? What am I saying? So, so the pain becomes a flag saying, hey, let's take a look at this because I don't need to feel that pain. I can actually really celebrate that. You know, what am I saying to myself that if my two friends like one another, then they, oh my God, they might go have lunch without me. You know, how dare they right now? Neither one of them are my friends because now they're friends, right? It's like, what, 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 what? No, love. There's, there's an abundance of love here. So, but that's healing, right? That's healing. So now I can go and I can look at that jealousy. Oh, I'm feeling jealousy that my friends who I introduced to one another, like one another, which I really would like, because I want my friends to like, like one another because they're each so cool. Right. But that that's a mature perspective. So by knowing these different pieces of myself and how I react and recognizing the pain, pain is a flag that says we need to pay attention. It doesn't mean, yes, we need to perhaps push away from it. But once we've pushed away and we're safe, then it's important that we allow the other portions of our brains to come online and say, we felt pain. What was that pain? Mm -hmm. And and what can I learn about that pain and let's really reflect upon it and let's grow from the pain because it is from our past pain allows us future growth. So pain is, um, is a tool, but it should not be a lifestyle. 
Yeah, exactly. Because then a lifestyle and it becomes, I don't know, suffering or exactly we get, you can get addicted to it versus exactly I'm going to like pure pain. I'm going to really care. I really care about those friends. I, I really, you know, allow myself to love and if yeah. some, if there's a breach or a rift, I'm going to feel pain, and, right? But I choose that, right? And right, it's, right. Your pain that lets me know what matters and lets me right. know that. And you know, just the phenomenon that I'm experiencing pain as a living being is like a miracle. It's like, I mean, let's go back to, oh my God, we are each made up of some 50 trillion molecular geniuses, and some of them are capable of saying, pain, pain. And it's like, wow, I'm alive. I love that. Okay. Can, I, it's just, yeah. I know, I'm, um, let's do character two. Uh, we, we did three and four. Uh, one and two, three and four. Yep. Okay. Characters three and four are the character three is the emotion of the present moment. Character three is right here, right now. Forget the past, forget the future. Uh, you're just here. And what that means is that. You're just here. You're seeing what you're seeing now. You're hearing what you're hearing now. Things are, all these modalities are exploding into this enormous collage of experience. And it's like, oh my gosh, in the present moment, there is no past. So there's no trauma from my past. There's no, I, you know, I'm still mad at you. I'm not going to talk to you. It's like, oh no. It's like, oh my gosh. It's, it's, it explores and it's curious and it's interested and it's amazed. And it's like, wow. And because it's not just the boundaries of me, the individual, but now I'm as big as the universe. I want you to come and play with me too. It's very friendly because and it's kind and it's open and it's empathic and it's sharing because there's no boundaries. And we are one human family. We are one life form on this in, uh, in an energy field on this planet. And in the present moment, that's the consciousness of what we are. So character three, it is our curiosity. It is our creativity. There is no right, wrong, good and bad. That's over there in the left hemisphere. So if someone says to me, Jill, go let your little character three do whatever she wants to do well i'm going to go get into the art i'm going to bring out the paints and it's not you know if, if i want to use my hands i want to use my hands and there's no right wrong good bad if i want to do a tree and i want blue leaves i can do that because there's no right wrong good bad it was like it was like yeah i wanted to play with the patterning or i wanted to have the experience so character three is all about the experience and really enthusiastically uninhibited without abandon experience of the present moment i love that and who's your character my character three is pig pen i call her pig pen she's she's the uh the peanuts character and i love pig pen because pig pen's walking around in a dust of stone uh, a, a field of dust right a storm of dust and there's this wonderful com- communication between i think it was charlie brown and pig pen where pig pen's saying oh yeah this could be you know some of my dust could be from babylonia from 2000 years ago i mean it's just whatever it is it is you know because it all is 
colors blended together. So um, uh, chaos is the first step in the creative process. And Pigpen is all about the experience of what does that, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to have the air, the humidity on my face? Or what does it feel like to have these glasses on my nose or to have these clothes on my body or the warmth of the dog on my lap? What does it feel like to have the, the experience of the present moment? I love that. Wow. It's so inviting, right? And so inviting. And so Pigpen likes to do certain things. I mean, what does your Pigpen like to do? Mine likes to do art. Mine loves the colors and the textures and the beauty of stained glass. And, and I live on a boat half the year and I bike and on the water and I row on the water and I paddleboard on the water and I dive into the water and I feel the temperature yeah. and the pressure against my body. Pigpen is the experiential of who we are. And the freedom, I mean, the sense I'm picking up is freedom in that. I've, I named my character three Trudel Boodle. So um, that was a nickname that my dad gave me. My, I, I used to go by Trudy and now I go by Gertrude. But tr so Trudel Boodle was that before that loved to run and play. And you know, exactly. before she was told to quiet down and exactly. stop giggling and exactly. you know, the, uh, the finger pointing and all the aliveness, right? Like to exactly. me, you know, she's alive and creative aliveness. and she can do anything and try yeah. anything. And you don't, you're not so concerned about making a mistake because right. that's actually- Because there is no know, mistake. Because there are none. Because there's no yeah. Yeah. past or future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's somebody else's left brain is putting me in the box. They're saying, go play, but it needs to look like this. Right. You know, I want you to color this tree, but use this color for the bark and this green for the leaves. It's like, but there's all these colors in there. Why would you do it? You're exactly right. Now, also, I want to also make the point, though, that as enthusiastic energy in the present moment can get us into serious trouble. Mm -hmm. And the the jails and prisons are filled with people who were non-conforming to the societal norm of that left brain. And so they acted out in one way or another that landed them against the rules, against mm -hmm. the societal norm, defined as unsafe. And now these a whole lot of character threes are filling our jails and prisons because they 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 did not abide the relationship between their own character one which is the right wrong good bad and how to be a character three inside of that context in a healthy way and this is all about brain health brain health mental health is all about cell health and cellular health is going to be whole brain health when everybody's in communication with everybody beautiful all right. Last but not least, character, character four. four. Character four is the thinking tissue of that right hemisphere. So it's going to be right here, right now. It is big as the universe. There is no past. There is no future. All there is is the vastness of the enormousness of what life and consciousness is in the universe. And it's not about me, the individual, 
because that's off in my left hemisphere. So when we pray, we pray into this consciousness of connecting with something greater. When we have a mantra and we repeat something over and over again, we preoccupy the language circuitry of characters one and two in the left brain in order to open up the possibilities beyond those words in that right hemisphere. So when we pray, this is where we land ourselves as bigger. Uh, virtually every religion, I don't know of a religion that this is not true, but the religion, the, the purpose of a religion, the language of the left brain is to preoccupy that left hemisphere in a, in, 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 um, uh, in a verbiage that is repeated that preoccupies that circuitry so that we can open up in order to have a relationship mm. with that character for part of who we are as we connect to our call that God, call that Allah, call that Buddha, call that the doorknob, call that whatever it is for you. Beautiful. And, your and there's peace and there's openness and there's expansiveness and there's freedom and their support and it's nurturing. Why wouldn't I nurture you? Because you're a part of me, right? Why wouldn't I be supportive and loving and kind? And how can I not come passion, calm is together, passion, share energy with you. How can I not do that when I, that's all we are? And then we have these boundaries that are defined by that left brain that says, no, this is where I begin and end and I am separate from you. I am Jill Bolte-Taylor. You are Gertrude. We are different. We are separate. And the only way we really can communicate with one another is through language and these other forms. But we are not a shared consciousness. Where to our character four, we know we are a shared consciousness. It's not a secret anymore, right? We are. It's not a secret anymore. And <laughs> I would like to also add to that, you know, so many people have studied the four archetypes of Jung, mm -hmm. Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. And those four archetypes are these exact same four characters. But in his world, in his language, as a normal human, character one was the rational thinking a conscious part of our brain and then three quarters of our brain these other three characters are in our subconscious but now they don't have to be a part of our subconscious mm -hmm. because i lost character one i lost character two all i had was character three and character four i wasn't unconscious i just got to know what are these characteristics that exude, what are the personalities that truly exude from these groups of cells, the emotion of the, of the right hemisphere and the thinking tissue of that, that right hemisphere, and then really to bring into consciousness that little character too that is the pain of the past and that personality that we all know so well, but you know maybe we didn't recognize there's four of us in here. And if there's four of us in here, I can get to know all four of my four characters and I can have them then come together in communication with one another so that they become a democracy and I then have the power to choose moment by moment who and how I want to be because I'm inviting them all to the table of the conversation. So much in that there's no victimhood. I have, you know, and I, something I want to talk about is choice, but uh, before we do that, I do would like to hear your character for name. Oh, I call my well. I live on a I love I live on a boat half a year, so um, 
Uh, this is kind of my lily pad. And so I go queen because I am as big as the universe. We all are. And toad uh, because I live on a lily pad uh, out of, you know, for half my life. And toad is a bit goofy. So, you know, as massive and magnificent as the energy of that consciousness is, there's still goofiness in there because life is a goofy thing. And if character one and character two think it's all about perfectionism and about being perfect, that is that is kind of pretty much by definition its own impossibility. And if I am all that, you know, it's uh, one of the, my favorite sayings is by the Native Americans. Uh, you know, it is in the flaw where the soul enters any piece of art or any creation. So, um, so that's why we all have belly buttons. <laughs> whatever so my character four is mar kali so i i like i've done a couple name merging so it's mary from blessed virgin mary and kali the because those are two divine archetypes that have had personal significance for me and where i felt like that space has has been become a real yes. experience you know was yes. through them and guided and and yes. uh, so those archetypes are really meaningful for me. So I, I think I mentioned this to you, um, but I'd love to give an example of how, I'll, so we, we call it a, you call it a brain huddle, right? Yes. When they, they come together and we want them working together, yes. you know, yes. ultimately to, you know, have us find peace and live more from our brain, our character for, but I want to yes. say a little bit more about that in a minute. So um, just by way as an example for the audience, when I got the email that you said yes to being on my podcast and answered yes, I think my first response was character two. Like, what? No, I mean, just because I asked, you know, who do you think you are? Like, you can't do that. That what? No, say no. Like, that's not scary. worthy. That's not worthy. Not worthy. Wow. No, you'll, you'll mess it up. So yeah. no, 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 no. And then character one, I think, jumped in next with like, oh, you you better prepare. You better, you know, you have to write all of her books again, read every, <laughs> everything there is on the internet, watch everything that there is and plan and prepare. Good luck and with you that. should probably schedule it for like six months from now. Right. So that was <laughs> that was my character one. But then character three was I was literally like Tigger. It was like, what? Like, no way. Oh my God, this is the most exciting thing ever. I can't wait. Like, yay. Like, of course. And, you know, just the, that bouncing, ex, like unbridled excitement and meeting one of your heroes. Like what could be more fun and exciting than that? Right. And really allowing myself to feel well, that fully. Yeah. And then, and then I think what was the best, like, you know, to counteract, and I don't know if that's the right wording that you would use, um, but allowing character four to, dominate you know it's like oh why oh we're all connected like right. why wouldn't we like right what, what why wouldn't is, she what, say yes why wouldn't of course she we yes want to connect yeah of course. like there's yeah other, there's it's so all good things at levels i don't have to understand yeah. and what a what a beautiful thing and what a beautiful opportunity to just have some time and space together. And then I'd think about yeah. it now, you know, like time, like, <gasps> how do you like crunch it all and kind of like putting your body yeah. into, you know, yeah. the bigness and the vastness yeah. into there and like, that's yeah. what's possible. And, yeah. you know, and, um, and just by taking that on it, because otherwise if I were in just staying over in one and two, I'd, 
I'd be a mess, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> One, and it for might six, not have happened. And yeah. Two, it would. It, it, I would only be anxious and upset. Right. You know, for six months, it's like months. boom. No, I'm available next week. Let's do it. Yeah. She picked the early date. <laughs> awesome. We're doing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, right. and then it's funny because then your team came back to me with a character one. Okay, here's all, here's the blah, 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 blah. And so, uh, so, so my people write back and say, well, she, she, you know, whatever, that's great, but let's just have a conversation. We'll get there. It'll be great. Whatever it is, it'll be great. I I responded to my team also. I'm like, well, I'm like, honestly, I really don't want to focus on the anxiety. Yes. You know, women and mothers and anxiety, of course. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the big stuff, yeah. and then let's the, talk about the human, and of. then apply it to your population. Yeah, you got to start with 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 the the brain because that's where we all begin. We all begin with our brain, and mm-hmm. and if I'm feeling anxiety, if I'm feeling mom rage, if I'm feeling, I mean, there's a million things I could be experiencing, and why? Why am I experiencing it? what which of my four characters has stolen the microphone Mm -hmm. and so all of the negative parts of my trauma are and i i don't want to imply that any of the parts are bad because they're all great we have to have that pain in order to wave the flag to say look at this you know look at this and if i'm in my character three playful all the time then then i'm you know i'm just i'm not really learning or growing much because i'm just being right and it's like Okay, well, I as a human, I need to know, well, I've been on this planet for over 60 years. I got some roadblocks in some of the places, but I want to have flow. So so the roadblock is like a pain. And so, you know, when I had that stroke, it was like this big, huge roadblock that said, okay, Madam Scientist, be careful what you ask for. You want to understand how does our brain create our perception of reality? We're going to take reality away from you. You can no longer walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of your life. You are now a 37-year-old infant in a woman's body. What are you going to do about that? And it's like, okay, what are my choices? And my choice was to just kind of exist as a ve- in a vegetative condition well, that didn't seem right. You know, what's the point of that? Or to try to recover. And it's like with no guarantees. So I tried to recover with no guarantees. And boom, look at me now. Here, here. Look at you now, which is incredible. I love that. Well, and there's something you say about that, that I think, and this is, in, um, you know, a personal important for us personally, but I also think has huge implications in our world to, you know, shift this way of thinking where I I think we live in a world that is pretty character one dominated. Yep. And character two. And character two. The fear is huge. Let's say left brain, skewed to the left. We'll skew to the left. And I love how you, I think it was in the chapter on character four, you talk about that yourself you identify yourself like that self as character four and the rest of my consciousness are simply and the other characters simply yeah. the other characters i use to live this human life yeah right but that, exactly they're in it's like they're in service of this experience exactly. for me to have as much of a human experience of character four as i can but they're they're in i love thinking about them being in service of like i've 
practice and worked on, like thinking of my masculine in service of my feminine or my yin or my right. yang, you know, the yeah. values, not yeah. the, not so much the, the man, woman. And well, I, we're uh, getting close to our time here. There's one other thing I just want to mention and tie to that I think are, uh, well, I know um, my audience will relate to and I want to bring up is how all of this, and you describe it, it's on the title, the, that whole brain living is the anatomy of choice, you know, yeah. and choice. And that's something I, I really work with in my coaching. I really want women to explore and expand and, and take responsibility to see what their choices are and not right. be dictated by any of the, the characters. And we have to, we, we have to consciously do that. We have to choose to look at that. And, but right. when we do, and we do make that choice, I think the whole mothering journey. And I, I, I define mothering as beyond just giving birth to children. You know, we mother, yeah. you, you've been mothering, you know, and you yeah. mother whole brain living. Right. And, yeah. um, but how do we make those choices as discerned and as intuitive and as deep and not just you know, right. unconscious from our culture, from, you know, our past and those wounds and, and right. playing it safe, but that we can have such a bigger experience yeah. Um, in our mothering and, yeah. and come to, and it was a choice and I, I didn't have this paradigm to look through, but when I look back on it, you know, I, it, unless someone had shared with me or raised the awareness that you, you have the option of having a natural childbirth, for example, if we look at just yeah. literal mothering, I, I didn't know that I would have just done, you know, the, the kind of typical, you know, Western right. medicine and, um, but having suddenly had that choice, now I could explore, I could look at what does that mean? And what do I want? And what are my values? Right. And, and for right. me, deciding to have a natural childbirth and, and a home birth specifically, I wanted to be the most conscious I could be. You know, mm -hmm. I, and, and, you know, in our culture, it's like, but that's painful, you know, right. <laughs> being conscious right. is painful. And right. I, I think our life, right. and I think it sets us up and I, and not like, I think every woman, you know, every should choose that, but I do think right. having, you know, taking responsibility to explore those choices. So, you know, right. you know, yeah. which, which characters are you employing when you make the choices and, right. and then how can we just get in the present moment with whatever right. we're mothering, whether it's a right. child, it's our career, it's whatever it is in that moment. How can I be as, as right. in the moment with it and, and live as passionately. So I, I, I know I'm summarizing, even though I have like 10, 20, 30 more things I'd love to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, but, but I think, I think one of the things that you said, and I'm going to take that just a step further is, yeah. is again, with natural childbirth, my mother, I'm 60, I was born in 59. And back then, nobody was hardly was doing natural birth, but she wanted to do, she did two, my two older brothers on meds, but she wanted to have me naturally. And so she arrives at the hospital at 7.30 in the morning and out in the parking lot is a woman who didn't make it upstairs. So she is screaming, you know, holy blood. And, um, and Gigi is like, shut, shut down, shut down. She was not going to let me out. It was just like, maybe this is a bad plan. So she goes up there. It literally takes her 12 hours to let me out. So, you know, I'm, it's, I, I laugh and I say, it's like, I have been fighting to get out and to just be out here and be normal, you know, since I was in the womb. So, um, 
Uh, but still, it, 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 and then it's important to say, well, where is my pain? Because we all have pain. Pain is, pain is, is the tool our, our nervous systems use in order to, again, raise the flag and say, take a peek at this. You know, whether it's an emotional pain, a physical pain, a spiritual pain, a feeling of disconnection if someone dies and we have grief. Pain is pain, so and it's energy. And so, if I'm feeling pain, sometimes I'll just realize this is a group of cells in my brain that are now on fire, and all the energy has gone to that. And now I'm experiencing this pain, which whatever kind of pain it is, and allow myself to to really expand that. Another uh, alternative that a lot of people then dive into is, but I, I can't expand that. If I focus on it, it grows. Well, mm. um, visualize pulling the energy away from the core instead mm. of focusing all the energy on the core to heal it. And, and yeah. then, you know, so many people will take a pill or, or take an addiction, take whatever the addiction is mm. in order to bypass the circuitry so I'm not focused on the pain. And, you know, I just encourage people to think you are a biological creature. You are systems and circuits and, and energy and atoms and molecules. And whether it's the food you're feeding yourself, I mean, sugar, if you're eating a lot of sugar, sugar trigger makes pain worse. So, you know, if you're in pain and you're eating ice cream, it doesn't matter what kind of pain it is. It's going to only amplify it. I'm so sorry, ladies. So, you know, maybe go for a walk, expand yourself, allow yourself to have movement in the body, but pay attention to what am I? What am I as a living being? Remember, I'm a biological creature. It's not just I'm a human, I'm a woman. I, this is who I am. These are the details of me. This is my network. And as you study whole brain living, get to know who likes your character one, who doesn't resonate with your character one. Look at that neural network. Who likes your character too? Who who nurtures your character too? How do they soothe your character too? So you can train yourself to use your own character for to come in and bring love to your character too. Who who do you call when you're ready to go play? Who's your playmates? Who's your network of your character three? Who thinks your character three is a waste of time? Mm. Is it your own character one? What does your character one think about your own character three? And then character four is good with whether I'm alive or dead dead bull you know wow it's just all good what is this and what was was and you know i just hope i spent more time being loving and open to all possibility and you know what a celebration of life so really we have the potential to get to know who we are whole brain living the anatomy of choice and the four characters that drive our life and it can absolutely change how you live your life and how you feel about your life. And I have to say this before I go away from mm -hmm. you, is I'm looking at your bookshelf. So I see the pinks and the whites and the darkers and then the blacks. And I'm thinking, okay, a character one lives in your office. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually... Um... A hired organizer organized them that way. So a hired character would, one. A hired character one. Yeah. Yep. It's so true. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, you summed it up so beautifully, Jill, and I, how we can live this. And I, when I was first learning about you and we, I was, I found a, uh, um, a picture. This was when we were talking about Jill Bolte Taylor. There's a brain with right and left and starting to my Love nemesis, it. 
This is squeezing the enormous self back into the body. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's all it. the characters and, and naming I that. But, um, you know, so it's had a, just a beautiful, huge impact on, on me personally and putting together and seeing what's possible for me. It's really been a catalyst. Good. And I, I believe, and I don't know if there's like a sentence or two you want to say about what's possible for the world if we live this way and how... Oh this bigger well, vision what's yeah if, if if i'm when i'm aware when i'm a conscious being and i'm taking responsibility for the conversation inside of me i'm going to interact with your four characters differently and by knowing my four characters and your four characters i now know how to soothe you i know how to come in love into love i know how to have my character one team up with your character one but i become a better human being and I influence your character, your four characters. Mm. When I really recognize there's four of me, there's four of you, there's eight in every relationship. That's a lot of complex stuff going on. So I, you know, to me, it, it's about really solidifying the neuronal network of humanity at a conscious level. And I truly believe whole brain living is the ultimate evolution of the human brain in who we're supposed to be as a species. Yeah, here, here. I'm, I am with you. Now I know people can find you uh, fairly easily, but is there a particular way you'd like people to, I mean, you know, say buy your book, of course, yeah, whole brain living. I, yeah. Whole brain living truly is, I believe my purpose in why, mm -hmm. why I had the stroke, why I had the experience, who I am and what I am. Um, it will change your life. I mean, it just is powerful information. DrJillTaylor.com. Uh, we're redoing my my website. Um, get on Instagram. Um, uh, my team is trying to. I little pig pen comes out on Instagram. I just can't help myself. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to do that on the water. So I'll be doing more Instagram. I just think it'll be fun. That'll be super fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank it's you, been thank a blast. You. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no. Subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women. Well, actually, everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.